0: It was actually the very first post I did for Sustainability Sunday was on invasive species. I'm familiar with sort of invasive species from an ecological perspective, landscape perspective, but I was really surprised to see them being used in forestry and so this kind of threw me off. I can't believe these are being sold, being designed with, being foraged for. And so I thought this is an important piece that I think is maybe missing. I think we have to force ourselves to get uncomfortable and make some of these difficult decisions for the sake of the planet.
1: This show is brought to you by SlowFlowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Grow Flowers. Farm Grow Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., Supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S. grown, fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. And thank you to Details Flowers Software, a platform specifically designed to help florists and designers do more and earn more. With an elegant and easy-to-use system, Details improves profitability, productivity, and organization for floral businesses of all shapes and sizes. Grow your bottom line through professional proposals and confident pricing with details all in one platform. And friends of the Slow Flowers podcast will receive a seven-day free trial of the software. Learn more at detailsflowers.com. Well, today I have invited Becky Feesby of Prairie Girl Flowers and Instagram's Sustainability Sunday to return to the Slow Flowers podcast to talk about a project she is spearheading to evaluate the floral industry's relationship with invasive plant species, both growing and designing with problem plants harmful to the environment, to local economies, and to the larger community. This past December, Becky convened an invasive species roundtable to discuss and determine best practices for the floral industry. The expert panel included Doug Talamy, Professor of Entomology and Wildlife Ecology, at the University of Delaware, Latifa Pelletier Ahmed, a botanist and native plant expert with the ACLA Native Plant Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and Nicola Dixon, State Priority Weeds Coordinator for Australia's Department of Primary Industries. Those invited as educators and floral industry participants included florists and growers who are both part of the Sustainable Floristry Network and Slow Flower Society members. I was so happy to join the session, and I learned so much from the discussion. I learned that even the best of intentions from those of us who think our practices are good for the planet can yield damaging results. As an outcome from that session, Becky has worked with Rita Feldman, founder of the Sustainable Forestry Network, to produce a report that introduces the topic of invasive plants for florists, farmers, and wholesale sellers. She has shared a preview of that report with me, as well as several lists of dirty dozen plants found in the floral marketplace in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Europe, and Australia, drawing input from some of the roundtable experts. It's such a timely topic, and if you follow Becky's Prairie Girl Flowers feed on Instagram, you've already read some of her posts about invasive species in the floral trade. I asked Becky to join me today to share about her research and help us understand what each of us can be doing to eradicate invasives from our own design work, farms and gardens. Let's jump right in and meet Becky Feesby. Well hi everybody. I'm um, welcome back to the Slow Flower Show with Deborah Prinzing. I'm delighted to welcome back my good friend and past guest of this uh show, Becky Feesby of Prairie Girl Flowers. Hi, Becky. Hi, Deborah. Nice to see your face. <laughs> Last time we recorded, we were sitting in your uh little kitchen nook
0: with that's right
1: sharing the bench with your two large dogs and I uh was it was I have one dog at my feet, so okay, so... I thought you were gonna wear them out so they could nap, I, did. During... I did I okay. did. <laughs> Okay. Well, you know, I, I really, uh, try not to like overshare certain guests, but there, when there's something new and important to share and bring to the community, it's, I mean, I have to just grab the opportunity. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll share links to past episodes with Prairie Grow Flowers so that people can get your whole life history. (laughs) But, um, right now I want to just skip bring people up to speed about this new initiative, I guess, educational uh, advocacy project around invasive species in the floral industry. And can you talk a little bit about, you know, how that became part of the Sustainability Sunday uh, series and, you know, how did this bubble up to be kind of top of mind for you and in your research?
0: Sure. You know, it's funny. It was actually the very first post I did for Sustainability Sunday was on invasive species. So it is, when you say top of mind, it literally was one of the first things that I, um, it's what I led with.
1: Mm -hmm. And,
0: um, you know, it's largely, my background is in in horticulture, right? So I'm familiar with sort of invasive species from an ecological perspective, landscape. perspective, but I was really surprised to see them being used in floristry. And so this kind of threw me off. I was like, wow, I can't believe these are being sold, being used, being designed with, being foraged for, all of the things. And so I thought this is an important piece that I think is maybe missing um, from a lot oh. of, yeah, like educational, you know, I mean we we do the no foam, we do the plastics, we do the bleach
1: dyed, we do local, all those things. But what about this? Is it because um most of the invasive species are I could uh, that we're going to discuss kind of fall into that um, forage category. Like they're not necessarily commercial. Uh, well, crops. I think yeah, there's there's both for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: There are some that are are commercial that you see going through wholesalers. Um, still, you know, like from the farmer or greenhouse or or whatever it is through the wholesaler to the florist, and then there's that foraging aspect um that is you know a part of both flower farming and floristry mm-hmm. where flower farmers might be like hey I've got all this great greenery you know whatever it is on my property I can cut and sell that as well which is a completely understandable impulse
1: yeah you know yeah. if it
0: has a good vase life if it's if it's pretty any number of things why wouldn't you profit from that I mean that yeah. is a completely legitimate thing to want to do
1: yeah um, yeah but getting the right information is pretty um pretty much the gray area yeah. and and um also there are regional differences, but you're kind of going global with this and and talking to people yeah. around the around yeah, the
0: globe. i am and and I think people there are for sure regional differences. what is invasive in Australia is not going to be invasive in England, for example mm-hmm. because of huge geographical differences, climate differences, and so on right. Um, but, but I think there's value in sort of looking at it globally and, and not making the regions too small, because I think in, for me, in my opinion, I would rather cast the net too wide than too small, um, simply because I think it can be tricky to say, oh, you, you can harvest this species, for example, in California, but not in Oregon. Right. And, 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 um, Because there's going to be some creep there with climate change, with movement of people and plants. There's going to be creep.
1: And let's just admit that, like spores and birds carrying seeds, don't really respect state or country boundaries. No, <laughs> it's sort of a no,
0: no artificial think, thing. Yes, it's funny. I was I was chatting with Rita Feldman of the Sustainable Forestry Network about that exact thing, saying, you know, when we look at the government websites of information and, and other things and so it'll be like well this is invasive in you know where I am from Canada in Alberta but not in Saskatchewan and I'm like there's not a wall between Alberta and Saskatchewan yeah. <laughs> so, so so how are we how, how does that work right I mean right. these borders are not actually enclosed borders and um, so I think again like I said I would rather see florists and flower farmers adopt a sort of you know, a zero tolerance. Like It's mm-hmm. like, no, we are not going to use any of these and we are going to find alternatives.
1: Yeah. And we're going to err on the side of finding the alternative, which is aesthetic, pro- aesthetically probably a completely perfect substitute. It's totally, just yeah. getting out of the habit that we're in. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. You exactly. know, the one that came to mind the most, having lived in California, Oregon, and Washington, is the pampas grass. And I mean, if you go on vacation in the San Juan islands, you will see that pampas grass from a few ornamental gardens has like gotten loose and has taken over the wild places of, especially I see it on Lopez Island and um, you know, it's obviously winter hardy up there. You know, it's not just a California thing.
0: Absolutely. And, and pampas is a great example of, I would say what I would consider um, a global species of concern,
1: mm-hmm. you know, it's
0: banned in places like Australia, but it, but it can live in lots of, like, it's a, it's a fairly adaptable plant. Mm. It also, in each of those seed heads, if you've ever held a stem of it, there are so many seeds in one stem. It's also become very, um, sort of fashionable in the floral industry. It has, um, yeah. at least in response, you know, in in some part, in a response to trying to do better things, like trying to find things that do well out of water, that I that you don't have to stick in foam, that can be used in installations, and so on. But it's sort of taken off in this, yeah. you know, crazy way where now we're seeing it dyed, we're seeing it shipped all over, we're seeing businesses that only for florists only sell pampas grass.
1: I mean, it's like a giant dandelion, right? When you talk yes, about all this seeds, <laughs> yes, just yeah. wave it around, and you produce more than you could ever imagine. Yeah. yeah, wow. Well, when you start, when when did you actually start Sustainability Sunday on your Prairie Girl Flowers um, Instagram yeah. account?
0: Was it? Um, I feel like it was ago? 2020. Okay. Like I think I think it was like October November of 2020. It was sort of a pandemic thing for me thinking, how am I going to, you know, create some sort of schedule like weekly routine for myself where I'm looking into things and thinking about them more and all of that.
1: Right. And the, the, the work you'd done with sustainable floristry predates that because you had your first uh, sustainable uh, flowers workshop uh, up in Calgary, I believe in 2019, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And so this is sort of became a, a, just a natural extension of, of educating people about sustainable floristry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So now uh, we've talked about this before when, when mm-hmm. we recorded last May, but you are getting your master's in sustainability at Harvard. Go I Crimson. Am. That's so cool. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no one would know that, but my husband went to Harvard. So I yes. have to you know, like give them a shout out. Yes. Um, uh, that program has I mean, you've kind of you're the first person out of the floral space who's ever been in that program, as far as I understand, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and wow. even
0: ornamental horticulture, there's been um, a bunch of people go through the program. That the program's been around since 2000 uh, or so. Um, that you know, through agriculture and and obviously there's you know finance, like you name it, fashion, uh, people from all all different uh, industries. But oddly enough, I'm the first one from ornamental horticulture or, or floristry. So, oh, um, wow. so it's, it's even been a surprise to my professors and colleagues and peers in the program that are sort of like, geez, I've never thought about flowers.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is, that's, um, I mean, well, you better, must hear that all the time too. Well, but yeah, better late than never. I mean, you're yeah. going to, hopefully others will follow you into this, uh, body of mm-hmm. research and kind of see that, uh, the more edu- you know, the more informed we are about these sort of, just the cause and effect of everything we do that, um, you know, we can run our businesses more, I guess, with more, I don't know, consciousness and more more intelligence. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and sort of that like integrity piece that sometimes Mm -hmm. is missing, um, for lots of us across lots of industries. I mean, I always like to sort of make that clear too, that the problems that I bring up or the issues or ideas, they're not unique to the floral industry. They're across everything that we're dealing yeah.
1: with these days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And now, yeah. And now at the very last moment before we destroy the planet, we're starting to figure out what can we do to, to re- reverse the time. Yeah. I know yeah. that's hyperbole, but you know, well, sometimes I it mean, feels that it, way.
0: yeah, it's, I think it, yeah, I, I go back and forth between feeling like it is hyperbole and feeling like, Oh crap. Like, you know, we, we gotta get going.
1: Well, in the course of your uh, research and also being part of the Canadian ambassador to the mm-hmm. Sustainable Forestry Network, um, this n- more recent project on invasive species took a little bit more uh, structure and form rather than you know simply something that you posted on Sustainability Sunday. And you yeah. hosted this private round table.
0: I wanted to convene a group of florists, uh, flower farmers, You know, researchers that were sort of interested in this as either a problem or an obstacle or something in their in their work and then and then get some experts on board, Mm -hmm. because because understanding invasive species, it's it's quite a sort of nuanced layered issue and idea for lots of people. and a little bit because it's, it's sort of complicated sometimes to wrap your head around what constitutes an invasive species. The language can be quite daunting. If you look at it online, the inconsistencies across websites or, or government documents or whatever. So it can be sort of this thing where you're like, well, forget it. Like why bother? So I wanted to try to come up with something, create a, 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 place where we could come together and sort of discuss this. So we had, um, Uh, Dr. Doug Ptolemy, who's an ecologist and invasive species expert from the US, from the University of Delaware, Um, a botanist here in Calgary, Latifa Peltier Ahmed, who's a friend of mine and also um, a native plant expert. So she runs our native plant society here. And then um, Rita Feldman of the Sustainable Forestry Network got us Nick, Nicola from Australia, who's um, their sort of weeds expert. I mean, again, the language, right, globally changes in Australia typically referred to as weeds here in North America, we would say invasive species in the UK and Europe. Sometimes it's alien species. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So the so, vernacular,
1: the vernacular is not consistent. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. And so when, and I'm sorry, I forget a little bit how that was structured. Yeah. You, you kind of asked each of the experts to, to address a, a few questions. And I feel like, was it Dr. Talame who actually defined for us uh, what invasive species means?
0: Yes, I think he okay. did He did at the beginning and sort of talked about, you know, the sort of, because e- it really boils down to sort of ecological and, and economic implications, right? So invasive species can spread into let's say farmland so that a farmer's uh, cattle are unable to graze in that area because the invasive species spread so quickly and they're poisonous to cattle. Mm. So that would be an economic. Mm-hmm you know, issue or outcome of this happening. And then you look at all of the ecological issues. So that can be a decrease in biodiversity, which, you know, most of us are starting to get familiar with that term biodiversity and understanding that it's important for sustaining yeah. life on like healthy life on the planet. It can be um, reduced ecosystem services. So things that we benefit from, the environment, whether that's food, clean air, water, you know, the simple act of photosynthesis, all of these things. So invasive species can disrupt, disrupt all of those things in the time that we're living in now.
1: Yeah. Right. right. And I,
0: off, I often think that's a piece that's sort of missing is that we're looking at what's causing a problem right now. Right. And so understanding that that could change 50 years from now or 100 years from now. But right now, what are our species of concern?
1: Is that in part because of climate change and that species are thriving in climates in which they previously would not have been able to survive yeah, because of this. I mean I think that
0: that recognizing that this era, the, the Anthropocene era that we live in right now, is the era the era of massive climate change and huge industrialized activities and globalization. So we've also seen the impacts of people moving themselves and other things all over the world. So mm-hmm. most of the things that we look at as as invasive species were introduced, either through trade, you know, commerce, Um, contaminated shipping containers, like any number of things,
1: right? So interesting. I mean, that kind of goes back to, um, you know, what Amy Stewart wrote about in Flower Confidential that uh, over whatever, 15 years ago, that um, U.S. customs uh, inspectors in Miami are inspecting cut flowers coming in for pests and pests alone. And so it's just, just this like single issue inspection I, who knows how many invasive species can, comes in boxes of plants, especially in soil-borne soil, bor- soil borne, um, you know, weeds. Absolutely.
0: And, I mean, if you look at, I mean, some, you know, like the emerald ash borer beetle, right, like that we we know is, um, you know, wrecking ash trees, certainly a huge problem here in Canada. And I'm pretty sure a massive problem is in, in the U.S. as well. I mean, they track that to probably coming in on pallets, Right. Mm-hmm. So it was wood cut from infected ash trees that served as pallets and then got shipped with any any number of things.
1: Right. Yeah. It's just like a vector for these these
0: pests. Totally. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's why you bring your own firewood sometimes when <laughs> camping? Do you know wow. what I mean? Like you can't you can't bring your own firewood because the 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 provincial park or the state facility or whatever would be like, no, you, you, you can buy firewood from us. And you think that's a money grab, but it's a hundred percent because of invasive species
1: oh my gosh i never that's, thought about that's that the
0: only reason why
1: yeah and that's yeah. why if you go to a horticulture conference um uh out, even outside of your state or in, definitely for me in the u.s if i go to some place in um british columbia i have to get this s- documentation to Absolutely. bring plants home with me
0: yes it's- because it's you yeah exactly because you could be introducing something you know weird yeah
1: yeah, yeah well bad or whatever yeah so we ha- you had this session. It was about an hour and a half. And it was um, really interesting also, I think, just to see, you know, the point of entry for your experts. You know, some people are looking at, well, like in Australia, they're looking at an island nation. And like, there's, if it's once something arrives there, it's really hard to eradicate. And for um, a native plant expert, I guess she was looking at, like, what are the native plant alternatives to invasive species that are I don't know either commercial or cultivated yeah. I don't know it seems to be and then and yeah. Dr. Tallamy was talking just a lot about environmental issues and all of these sort of problems that that can cause our waterways and our farmlands and you know yeah. tree life and it's just it's kind of you're right it's overwhelming and it is overwhelming and, yeah
0: yeah and you look at the behavior of some of these plants I mean anybody who's dealt with um, let's say, or oriental bittersweet on their property, you'll see that it, it sort of strangles out other trees and girdles them, it's called, which is, you know, like a girdle that poor women were forced to wear. But <laughs> yeah. you know, it, like it chokes it, it out, chokes, chokes them out and you'll see that it will leave these horrible indentations on trees. And so you can see that choking out a tree, which then causes trees to fall, which depletes carbon stores. Like, do you know what I mean? Like there's oh. all of these sort of negative effects. and And so then I just come back to, well, what what role do we have in the flower industry then? Right. How can we how can we be supportive? How can we ensure that our practices are good and and not harmful?
1: Right, right. And um, <laughs> so how, how do you tackle that? You look at the yeah. ways the ways that in, um, invasive species might appear in the industry, and who's in that distribution chain? Who could maybe make a decision that's uh you know different. Yeah, and I mean, some of it will require a bit of government lobbying,
0: I think, as well, because mm-hmm. because governments are ultimately who who create the you know rules and regulations, policies, yeah, Yeah, policies, all of that. Um, but I mean, I also think you know small business owners, including wholesalers, could stand up and say, "Hey, we're we're no longer bringing this this product in."
1: Mm-hmm. And here's well, why right? you have yeah, and you have some real life examples of things that you've stumbled across mm-hmm. where that's not being done. And, um uh, totally yeah. and I, I, can you share even a, just kind of a, without naming names, like how yeah. you, how you yeah, address that?
0: Yeah. So I, um, I would say, I think it was last year, I saw that a Calgary florist was selling tansy. So tansy is that, um, does it grow where you are? Yes. 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 It's so kind of a- like, it's like a little yellow button flower, Literally right? Little yellow button, sort of like, you know, a collection of them at the top of the flower. It dries beautifully, um, has huge long roots. Anyways, an invasive species here in in Canada, certainly in Alberta BC, Saskatchewan, I believe as well. I'm not sure that if it's if it's gotten out east yet. Um, so, anyways, there was a local florist who was selling tansy and was so excited about this. So I I messaged them privately and said, hey, you know, yes, it's beautiful. Um, it is invasive, and so you know you shouldn't be selling it.
1: Mm-hmm. And I just got
0: sort of a like on the thing. And so <laughs> And, and which, you know which, me, Deborah. Yeah, that. yeah you like know that me means that. I'm like, well, that's not, that's so, not good enough. <laughs> no, it's not good enough for me, anyways. And so I said, hey, you know, if you'd like to have a conversation about this, I'm happy to, to sort of explain to you some of the issues about invasive species. Um, but, but really and truly, you know, you can't be selling it. And they said, thanks, we'll look into it. And I thought, damn it. So then I said, well, where did you get it from? So uh-huh. That was interesting. And so it was from a wholesaler in BC. So then I contacted that wholesaler too. And I just got crickets. So then I thought, okay, well, what can I do? Like, what can I do to sort of press, hit home, like, that this is, this matters, that this is important. And so I phoned the Alberta Invasive Species Council and and reported it. Yeah. And so they went there and talked to the florist. And the florist was furious with me because she said, I just got my, my, my hand slapped. And I said, well, that's okay. Yeah. Like they didn't put like, you
1: out of business. They didn't yeah, find like you. Didn't
0: get, you didn't get fined and it's okay. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't sticking. Like she goes, well, you're so mad at me. I said, no, I'm not mad at you. <laughs> I was trying to, again. So it's sort of, I think that we need to, with so many things, but certainly with invasive species, sort of take that, like, if we can try to find a way to remove the ego from it and go like, wow, I didn't know this, mm-hmm. right? Like, I didn't know this was a problem. Mm-hmm. And now that I do, I'm not going to, I'm not going to
1: do that again. Well, I right. think writer. Yeah. And I remember last summer I was at a floral workshop at uh, the Calflowers conference down mm-hmm. in San Diego. And I was just participating in a kind of hand tied bouquet workshop. And I mm-hmm. posted some photos and you messaged me and you're like, that's Tansy. <laughs> you remember that? Yes, I do. And was but, it? I, yes. And I, yeah, I yeah. actually, there was someone in my class who is a wholesaler in Portland Uh, In Portland, Oregon, and I made a comment and he said, you're absolutely right. We are not allowed to sell this in Oregon. The Oregon uh, Invasive Species Council has forbidden us from Mm -hmm. selling it. So then we started brainstorming like, well, what would be... Okay, it's it's not it's not even a focal flower, and like, and when I was looking through your dirty dozens list, none of them are focal flowers. They're just no, no, they're they're just no. It's not like roses or peonies or dahlias are a problem. (laughs) It's like random foliage and filler, and Mm -hmm. I don't even like to use the word filler. And um, so we started saying, well, well, yellow yarrow would be the perfect substitute. Yellow yarrow. I
0: mean, you could do solidago in some places, right? You could do. um, There is a. um, and I think it's a variety some variety of, of mums, like it's a little tiny button yes. mum that's yellow. Oh, yeah. oh, so yeah. you can you could find ways to get the same look.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like three billy buttons,
0: Three yes. three stems of Crispedia, they're slightly bigger balls, but I mean whatever, right? Yeah. Like yeah, if you're wanting that hit of sort of intense yellow that that might dry in place, you have options. I,
1: yes, and I, I think that's the maybe the from a designer's point of view, that's the core message is you're creative. You're an artist, artists solve problems. So find a workaround and And maybe your work will be more interesting because you're you're going a little extra, you know, taking a little extra step to replace something that you know is harmful.
0: Yeah. And I think that brings me to like a a thought that I had earlier when I was thinking about meeting up with you today. And I thought, you know, I'm sure somebody will be like, oh God, here she goes again. So I can't use foam. I can't (laughs) use bleached or dyed stuff. I can You're such you know, a drag,
1: Becky. <laughs> I'm such a drag.
0: But and and I get it. Like I get yeah. that it feels like a lot. But then I think to myself, what it feels like when I go to the grocery store now, what it feels like when I make any kind of purchasing decision in my life. And I think so many of us are now thinking through things in different ways, right? When we go to the grocery store, we're looking at where the, the produce has come from. We're looking at, you know, are we buying our peanut butter in a plastic container or are we buying it in a glass jar now?
1: Mm-hmm. Are we going
0: to bulk places? Like, are, are we thinking through how much plastic or how much whatever it is that we're consuming? And, and I think for a lot of people, the answer is yes, they're making steps. And it stinks. Like, it sucks to have to lose that sort of feeling of just being able to be like, oh, it's all good. It's fine. It's yeah. Right? Yeah. I can, it's all good. Yeah. But sadly, we're at a place where it's not all good, right? And so I don't think, I don't even think it's sort of, I think we have to start thinking this way. I think we have to force ourselves to get uncomfortable and make some of these difficult decisions for the sake of the planet.
1: I agree completely. I mean, not to, you know, jump there, but, you know, just watching the news about that horrible train wreck in Ohio with all the toxins and what there will be implications for generations because of of that. And it's, it's quite, you know, it's, it's quite unfathomable really. It is. um, That that could happen, you know, in our country and in in our, on our continent. And um, yeah, so I, you know, with that kind of in mind, you know, I I do think that there's this sense that um, if it's so overwhelming, we can't like go on a you know, go cold turkey all the time, like on yeah. everything, but right. but I think invasive, spe- reducing invasive species use or eliminating it is actually one of the easier things to do. It because- has to be, like yeah. I think,
0: because we're we're getting the it, it does like like you said. I'm working on these dirty dozen lists, and and. You know, when, they, when, I, when I release them and, and come up with them, I'm sure I'll get flack for them because I'm like, oh, well, you missed this, 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 and this. I'm like, yes, they are not exhaustive lists. But You're I'm going to
1: start I'm, here. I'm, gonna try, I'm
0: starting with a dozen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to let people know what the range of those species is. So when I do a dirty dozen list for the U.S., it will have the ranges, But right? So like, you know, Oriental bittersweet, I think, is invasive in 30, 30 states. Okay,
1: so range by geography. Yes. So okay. like,
0: so right now it's, you know, it's not classified as invasive here, here, and here, but it is all of here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to let people know that there is that sort of regional difference. Um, but, but then to also sort of go, okay. So again, I live one state over from Kentucky.
1: Right. Right.
0: Should I, should I still use it?
1: Yeah. Right. Really, and, yeah.
0: And, and so I know I've had a lot of pressure from people saying, please make these hyper regional, like really, And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that because, because I think, I feel like I worry that that's going to give people permission to use something that is very soon going to be invasive where they are. Right. And can you just do without it? Could you just not use Oriental Bittersweet? Could you just not use Tansy? Could you just not use Autumn Olive? Just take them out of your, your toolkit. Just remove them.
1: Right. Right. And I think, you know, when we look at um, some of the incredible, you know, information sharing that other people have done, like, um, you know, I know Suma Cleary has put on this list on her Instagram about the hardworking plants that, that you can design out of water and they'll last Absolutely. a long time out of water. Exactly. We're going to start seeing people adding the, creating these lists, especially for their region of if you can't. You shouldn't use this, but here's a substitute, and I think exactly. that that's exactly. that's empower that's empowering, and um, well, honestly, helpful, right? Like you, it does it does make it easier. Yeah, and you know every state has an invasive species um, yep. kind of agency or office that probably has published a list and. Yep. And that's not for you to always look up, Becky. We can do our own work.
0: Well, you know? and, and, I, yeah, and
1: I will be providing links to these things, right? And there's okay.
0: some great interactive maps too, right? That you can type in and then it will pop up with this map and saying like, look, here's where we have reported sightings of this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. Um, so if you have something like that, I mean, it's one thing if it's a cut and, and it's um, in an arrangement there's probably a disposal recommend recommendation for how to dispose of it. If it's in your garden, there's probably another. So what advice do you have for people who are going, Oh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to eliminate this from my yard or my farm. Yeah.
0: If you're going to eliminate from your yard, I think you need to first look at what the plant is because it's again, not, there's not sort of a universal approach. Um, It depends on how that plant spreads or propagates itself. It depends, you know, if you, some plants you can prune, and it really helps, you know, kill them off. Others you prune and it, it, it stimulates them, growth. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it depends. I mean, there are recommendations for some plants that, you know, and you heard this from, from professor Ptolemy, that you would cut off and then paint glyphosate or Roundup on that remaining stump to kill it right down,
1: right down into the root.
0: Yeah. So yeah. again, not spraying it, taking a paintbrush and painting it on that exposed um, part. Um, so there's, there's, there's those ways to do it. Some other plants, you know, you can sort of successfully dig up and get rid of, I would say never putting them in your home compost because you're just not going to probably generate the heat required to kill the seeds or the root parts or whatever. Um, again, it's a, it's a bit of a plant specific thing. Is incineration enough? Like if you burn it, is that enough for some? That's not some love fire, right? Like we know that when we see. Uh, forest fires that some plants really regenerate um amazingly well from that. So my recommendation in the the stuff, the the documents I'm coming up with is to double bag it in plastic and throw it in the landfill, sadly. Yeah. Which well, then people say, well now you're recommending people to send stuff to the landfill. And I'm like, well, not if you don't use invasive species.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, but that that advice is what um people give about diseased rose foliage for sure. You exactly. don't ever put that in the compost. You don't exactly. want it to And so I
0: think it's spread yeah, we, that way. Yeah, so I think, um, again, that would require people to sort of look up where they live, what the local recommendations are. A lot of the various universities, extension schools, you know, Cornell extension. I saw a great article at uh, University of New Hampshire. A bunch of our universities here in Canada have, you know, like here are ways you can dispose of them. But again, there'll be that caveat not this doesn't work for every species, right? Yeah. So just just but if you're there to, to just give florists or flower farmers one thing to do, I would say send it to the landfill.
1: Right. But I also think you know do your own do your own homework. Do your and,
0: absolutely do your own
1: homework. Um and, get, and creative. get an
0: app, right? Like get an app on your phone. iNaturalist is a really good one. You can see what you've got. It'll really? tell you
1: what that is. Yeah. Oh that's great. Yeah. Um so from this session that you had in December, which mm-hmm. I, I was very, very excited to be part of. And I learned a lot. Um, you um, I, you, and maybe some of the other folks put have started to build this sort of white paper or this this information sheet that you're going to publish soon. Not quite yet, but we'll share it when, when it's available. And is that just sort of to introduce the topic to the floral trade? Yeah, it's to introduce the topic. And it's something that
0: I've worked on with Rita Feldman of the Sustainable Florist Trade Network because not using invasive species aligns with the sort of guiding principles that the Sustainable Forestry Network has set out. So I've worked on that with her. Um, And yeah, I think that she's going to probably develop something that's a bit more specific to Australia because I mean, that's where she lives and and she's Mm. more familiar with that. And I'm sort of focusing on North America and UK and Europe. Um, So not, I mean, I haven't touched South America yet and all of that, but um, you know, at least introducing people to understanding what invasive species are, what that term means, that it's not interchangeable with weeds. All invasive species are not necessarily weeds and all weeds that we call weeds here in North America certainly aren't invasive species. Like the dandelion is not an invasive species.
1: Mm -hmm. Really good point. Yeah. So at least I no disrespect to Australia, but yeah. n- at least we're saying invasive species. And maybe with Rita's work, she's going to start being more intentional about defining the difference between. Oh, and she and is. Them. And
0: I think that yeah. she's, she might even be leaving some of it as invasive species. I mean, the, the governing body there is called weeds Australia. So, I mean, it's the, again, wow. the, yeah. So it's, um, and in, and in the UK, a lot of it is non-native or alien.
1: Yeah. It's sort so of interesting, interesting. Right. So Yeah. That is cool. Well, I am going to have Rita as a guest actually next week. So oh, um great. this is a nice segue. I know that uh, you know, she's got a lot more to talk about. So I'm glad we're touching on this Absolutely, now. Yeah. Um and uh, you know, this Becky, the, this this has been super helpful for me to hear about. And I did tell you at the beginning of our before we started recording that I was gonna like fess up to probably having an invasive plant in my garden. And um I'm gonna just tell everyone that it's a variegated form of porcelain berry vine mm-hmm. which a lot of people love the por- porcelain berries because they're kind of this brilliant like, luminous like purple, berries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. purple turquoise color yeah. uh so but but you when i mentioned it to you i you i was you weren't sure uh if 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 i need to um i just need to do some more research i guess
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, some of the cultivars and stuff end up being sterile, for example.
1: I think that Um, might be my case, but I need to verify that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, yeah, exactly. But I think it's it's like so many things for us right now in the world of flowers is that, that sort of awareness piece and education building. Um, I think if we can sort of look at that as, as empowering us and, and, And helping us and supporting us, rather than feeling daunting, it will help us
1: uh, move forward, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, in your your document that you shared with me, you basically identified that invasive species appear in the floral industry, you know, via wholesalers who sell the plant. Because it is not officially banned from sale, it might actually be a ban from sale as well. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. If we use and a lot sides- of
0: those restrictions, a lot of those restrictions are vol- like they're sort of voluntary things that you sign up to adhere to whatever it is, right? Interesting. And yeah. certainly not invasive species people running around to every floral wholesaler inspecting them every day to see if they are selling invasive species
1: right and it's a cut it's not a plant so it might oh, be treated yeah. differently by those inspectors yeah um and then florists who hand pick or forage for the variety which we yeah. talked about and then when a plant is moved from an area where it is appropriate to a region where it is invasive
0: that's right
1: um very interesting and i do think that um you you point out you know that Thanks to social media, uh, we see lots of beautiful images of things and we think, how can I get my hands on this? Without oh, totally, doing- because we're
0: looking for the next best thing, right? Which, yeah. again, is a completely understandable way to feel because, you know, florists, flower farmers, everybody, and wholesalers, they're working hard and trying to stay afloat. And so they're thinking, if I can, get, if I can differentiate myself somehow, this will help me, which is true, but it, it
1: just shouldn't be in this way. So this, actually, this whole conversation follows an episode I had a couple weeks ago with Alex Kacheri of Sealy Farm. And mm-hmm. I told you about her. She's in yes. uh, involved in the Michigan uh, Flower Growers C- Collective or Cooperative. And she sought out uh, grant money to trial native plants for cut flowers. Absolutely. And the yes, more huge. I think about, these are like two sides yes. of the same coin. Oh, For sure. We we don't want to have invasives take over our farms and fields and and wild places, but native plants are super back to hyper regional. They're they, they're the ones that are good for our environment. We tend and to be very pollinators. Good pollinators, and yeah. they tend to be
0: you know good for you know preventing things like erosion and all these other things, right? That we're concerned about and and increasing biodiversity. So. I mean, and it's, and I've read some articles too, saying, you know, do we need to rethink a bunch of stuff in the floral industry so that we're growing, we are moving away from these sort of traditional cut flowers, you know, roses, hypericum, gerbera, alstroemeria, whatever, to um, look at regionally appropriate plants, right. many of which might be perennial, right? which again, hold that, that root mass stays in the soil and so on. So, so I think, you know, you're exactly right. When we talk about invasives, that can then, turn into a much more sort of optimistic conversation about like, well, what other great things could I be doing
1: or growing? Right. Right. And how can I, um, you know, if I'm looking for the new all the time, maybe that's the, that's the first place you used to start is join your native plant society and see what they have. I know here in, in Washington, um, in, especially in the Seattle area, a lot of the plants that are sold at the native plant society, um, you know, spring plant sale or fall plant sale. There are things that aren't in general nursery um, commercial uh, on the on the trays or on the tables. They're, you just don't see them. So you've got to start with the native plant experts who they're pretty jazzed about these plants, you know, and they don't know whether they're, they don't know whether they're good as cuts or not. So we should be experimenting with that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Well, anything else that I didn't ask you that you want to make sure we touch on today? Uh, I don't
0: think so. I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah, people sort of pay attention to, to my Instagram. I will be getting those documents out. I'm I'm going to be super happy to sort of share the, the bulk of the stuff that I come up with, you know, free of charge and, and all of that sort of thing, just to get that information out there. Um, and, you know, always happy to hear from people that say, Hey, like, you know, you missed this plant, but it's a huge problem where I live. And then, you know,
1: great. Yeah. So it's, 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 and then much. I also, I really want to, I want to see somebody start this, like not this, but that list, you know, yes. because that's really uh it, you know, a designer's, you know, best toolbox is to figure out versatility in um, what, how that, that, whatever that effect is you want. Do you want line? Do you want mass? Do you want focal? Yeah. Do you want texture? Find the alternative that will Absolutely. help you as an artist,
0: a floral That's right. artist. That's
1: right. And, and, then- and so I think that will be my next step. And
0: I'll, I'll likely collaborate with some other people on that. So they start to say, okay, if these are our, if this is our dirty dozen plus some honorable mentions, <laughs> then what 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 can we what can we show people that, that are great alternatives? And then that, that that can be great supports for flower farmers to say, hey, I've started growing, you know, X, Y, or Z that is a really going to be a really good substitute for this for autumn olive, for example, which is right. a huge problem. So, right, right.
1: Um, yeah. Oh, good. Well, let's just keep the conversation going. But this is a Absolutely. good way to get started, especially yep. now because you know it's. We've been in our dormant phase in most yeah. of our listeners, at least if they're here in the North American area. And now we're going to start observing our gardens again and, um, you know, finding best practices Yes, and, you know, even seeing what's showing up at the, at the nurseries, I did think that you at the garden centers or wholesalers. I think you had a, another interesting uh, example that you shared with me before we wrap up, where you said there's a wholesaler that has in Canada that has like mixed ornamental grasses like it's not yes. defined and so you know no, and, it's,
0: and it's coming in from a flower farmer and so it's like hey there's this great like bucket of bucket o grass and 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 so that's you know great and I could see the again the design appeal of that but I do think that that we owe it to the industry to sort of know what's in there
1: yeah yeah right and um, proper label proper as,
0: labeling. As, as it is to so just go like oh all this airy beautiful stuff I can totally use that when I'm designing a meadow, a table meadow for this wedding this weekend, that's perfect. But if it sheds a bunch of seeds and do you know what I mean? <laughs> then, then it
1: there would be easy substitutions for that. Yeah. And if we're have the consciousness about the decisions we make, then we're able to, um, you know, I think it, it's empowering. We're not, we're not the yeah. victims anymore. We're, we're actually driving the conversation with our clients, our customers and, you know, that people we buy from and sell to. So.
0: Totally. And and I mean I think that it can it can end up it, it can benefit us in ways that maybe we haven't thought of before, right? Like it it can it you know, it, it is sort of an act of self-love to sort of care for the planet, right? It's yes. not it's not it's not entirely altruistic. Like there's yes. there's you know, we benefit from this too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no other reason than we have armies of volunteers here in Seattle going through all the city parks it's with this organization called ivy out and they're just ripping english ivy from all these majestic trees because they want to save the parks yes and they don't want to have the the ivy eventually you know choke out that tree so that's right you know Yeah. That is the act of self-love for where we live. Um yeah. Becky this has been so great. I know we'll have you back especially when you get a little further along on your yeah. master's thesis. Sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no pressure, but uh no, how's that? No and we can get really down in the weeds. So to
1: speak. <laughs> how um what's the timeline on that? Do you think you'll you're, the next full year you'll be working on that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely
0: for a year. Um, haven't started my research yet, so just waiting to finalize Thesis proposal and all of that stuff, and then some field research, and then certainly lots of writing and research and, and number crunching numbers, yes. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm so glad you save two days to come speak at the Slow Flower Summit in oh, June yeah. about, about sustainability. And um, I'm just delighted that you're going to be there as a speaker and sharing your knowledge. And, and me too. Well, thanks, Thank you in person. Yeah. yeah. And uh, well, thank you so much. It's been really thank awesome. you. <laughs> so much for joining us today you'll find the replay video of our recorded conversation along with links and resources that we discussed on the show in our show notes for episode 600 at slowflowerspodcast.com as she mentioned the fact sheet and dirty dozens list will be available soon via prairie girl flowers on instagram and we'll share those links when that happens our next sponsor, thank you, goes to Cal Flowers, the leading floral trade association in California, providing valuable transportation and other benefits to flower growers and the entire floral supply chain in California and 48 other states. The association is a leader in bringing fresh cut flowers to the U.S. market and in promoting the benefits of flowers to new generations of American consumers. Learn more at CAFGS.org. Well, you may remember that last month's Slow Flowers member meetup featured an ideal filled hour discussing floral photography best practices. And it was an exclusive member-only session with Krista Rosso of Old Flora Farm and Tiffany Brown Anderson of Earth and Sea. While we're continuing with our Slow Flowers member meetup with even more creative inspiration this Friday, March 10th, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. The topic is Slow Pottery, and we have invited a fabulous panel of Slow Flowers members who incorporate Slow Pottery into their enterprises, growers and florists alike. You may recall that I originally wrote about the concept of Slow Pottery in our 2018 Slow Flowers Floral Insights and Industry Forecast. We wanted to track the creative work of floral artists and their collaborators who combine one of a kind vessels with locally grown flowers for a truly slow composition that resonates with customers. We'll meet several creatives who will share about the pottery they make and use while also discussing sustainability, supply chain issues, and a desire among Slow members to celebrate artisan pieces rather than throw away vases. There is a lot of interest in this topic, and you can find the link to pre-register to join us in today's show notes for episode 600 at slowflowerspodcast.com. Our next thank you goes to Store It Cold, creators of the revolutionary CoolBot, a popular solution for flower farmers, Studio florists and farmer florists save thousands when you build your own walk in cooler with the Coolbot system and an air conditioner. If you don't have time to build your own, they also have turnkey units available. Learn more at storeitcold.com. Thanks so much for joining me today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member supported endeavor downloaded more than 1 million times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowerssociety.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Show and the Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Wrenland. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. I'll see you then.